Last week here on Graceful Truth, we spent some time looking at the triumphal entry as recorded in Luke chapter 19. One more look at that triumphal entry next on Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse. Join us. And again from Grace Bible Church in Redwood City, greetings and welcome to today's broadcast. As we enter into the holiday season celebrating Easter and the glorious grace in Christ that we as Christians know and embrace, it's a delight to review again some of the foundational elements of Easter. We're in the triumphal entry as mentioned, Luke chapter 19 is where we're at. We would invite you to join us now as we again take a look at the significance of Jesus coming into Jerusalem the way he does. Here now with today's broadcast of Graceful Truth, once again, Pastor Steve Converse. Some of you I know are getting older. We're all getting older. I always think that when somebody says it like that. Well, some of you are getting older as if they're not. <laughs> no, we all get older. And as we get older, our bodies begin to creak and to do things that our bodies normally wouldn't do. And sometimes maybe you, you get injured now and it takes a little while for you to recuperate. Whereas you were young, you know, you slap a band-aid on it and you're back at it. But with that being said, aren't you glad as a believer that you don't have to fear death? That death was conquered? That, you know what, it's nothing to be fearful of the grave. I mean, not that we have to be sick and, and look you know, forward to dying. I mean, I want to spend time with my wife and my grandkids and church family and everything before I die. But you know what? I don't fear that day. Because first of all, I know that the Bible says, we went over this Wednesday night in our group, is that God has appointed a day for us to die. That kind of just helps you relax in the whole thing. Seriously. I mean, God has appointed when you were going to be born, and he's appointed a day for you to die. And unless you're greater than God, there's nothing you're going to do to change that. So just go along for the ride. Trust Christ as he takes you through this life. But I praise God every day that I don't have to be fearful of death. If you've recognized that you have a need of a Savior, and you've asked Christ to save you as that thief did on the cross... He'll do just that. And you need to thank him for what he has done and give him the honor due his name is in the way you live your life. Like those early followers that we've seen here as they worship Christ on the way to Jerusalem, they laid down their clothes before the coming king. The Bible says we need to lay down our lives for our Lord and Savior as we move through this life. So you see those who see this as a triumphant thing going on because they've recognized that Christ is who he said he is. Like in any gathering, there's always other people. Look at verse 39 and 40. It says, And some of the Pharisees, we know where we're at now, right? The tragedy, those who rejected Christ. Some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. They wanted him to tell them to stop all this craziness. You're disrupting the public avenue. You're, 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 you're causing a disruption in this crowd. Stop. Tell them to stop praising you, is what they're saying. But he answered them, 
And he said, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. See, at the triumphal entry, the Pharisees had understood clearly what the crowds were all about, what they were saying. They knew that the crowds were, were naming Jesus Christ as their Messiah, as their coming king. And they knew in their own viewpoint that that was blasphemous against God. And Jesus responded to their complaint that basically, you know what, I'm more than just a prophet. I'm more than just a king. I'm literally God incarnate. Because the only reason a rock would praise him is if he himself were the maker of that rock. And that's what he's pointing out to them. So the Pharisees made up their mind that Christ, that Jesus, could not have been who he claimed to be. So within a week, they ordered him executed. They had him killed. It's interesting, a week later, as Jesus is hanging on the cross, that there was another thief on the other side of Christ who was nailed to the cross, who had committed crimes, injustices, and he was paying the penalty of his crime. But it's interesting, you have Jesus Christ, you have one thief who comes to saving faith literally on his deathbed. And you have another criminal on the other side who had a totally different perspective. Because he denied Christ. He made up his mind that Jesus Christ was not who he claimed to be. And he actually even wrote him off as some crazy man dying for some crime. He rejected his claim to deity and he rejected his claim that he was the Messiah and he rejected his claim of anything being a savior. Imagine that. Jesus was so close to both of these guys. They're all in the same predicament. They're all being executed on crosses. This thief criminal was so close to the gift of eternal life in the Lord Jesus Christ And he was so close as it was being offered to him. And yet he rejected it. During the presidency of Andrew Jackson, George Wilson was a postal clerk. And George Wilson committed a crime. He robbed a federal payroll from a train. And in the process of robbing the train... To get the federal payroll, he killed a guard. He was caught. The court convicted him. And they sentenced him to hang. Well, because of the public sentiment at the time against capital punishment, a movement began to kind of fester up that somehow we need to secure a presidential pardon for Wilson. He'd been a faithful federal employee up to this point. This is the first offense he had ever committed. And as public opinion pushed toward that end, eventually Andrew Jackson intervened with a presidential pardon. If you know anything about a presidential pardon, it's a pretty powerful deal. It's not like you just give them out like candy. Amazingly, 
Wilson refused the presidential pardon. Outright refused it. This had never happened before, as you can only imagine. And so the Supreme Court was asked to rule whether someone could indeed refuse a presidential pardon. If it's so granted, could you refuse it? And at the time, Chief Justice John Marshall handed down the court's decision. And here's what the court said. A pardon is a parchment whose only value must be determined by the receiver of the pardon. It has no value apart from that which the receiver gives to it. George Wilson, George Wilson has refused to accept the pardon. We cannot conceive why he would do so, but he has. Therefore, George Wilson must die. And George Wilson, as punishment for his crime, was hanged. Pardon declared the Supreme Court must not only be granted, but it also must be accepted. See, we live in a world, beloved, that does not recognize Jesus Christ for who he was and who he is. Though a pardon has been granted, though the means to a pardon has been granted, they refuse to accept it. They reject the idea that Jesus could be Lord and Savior. And they pass him off as just a prophet or a good teacher or a moral teacher, whatever you want to say. They ignore his works. They ignore his words. They see our praise as blasphemy. They mock it. They would desire us just to be quiet and go away. But even if we should stop praising our Lord and Savior, beloved, all creation would still cry out and worship him because he is the creator. See, the kingdom of God, you have to understand, beloved, is not forcefully advancing. But on the other hand, nothing is going to stop it because God is at work. Your belief won't stop it. Your words, your works won't stop it. God has a plan for the nations and that plan will become reality. But as I always say, Jesus doesn't drag sinners kicking and screaming into heaven. Somehow he works through our will, he works through our volition to come to him. Even though he says that salvation is a sovereign act of God. The pardon has been granted. Have you accepted it? The Pharisees refused to. Therefore, this whole thing of a coming king was not triumphant at all. It was tragic. And then we see the third group of people here that I want to draw your attention to. Verses 41 to 44. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and he wept over it. Saying, if you had known, even you especially in this your day, 
the things that make for your peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation. I think the biggest group of people we see here on Palm Sunday is this third group, to be honest. It's probably the largest group of bystanders that day. They saw what was happening. They saw him riding in on the colt. They saw the people laying down the things, waving the palm branches, crying out, Hosanna, save now. They saw everything that happened. But it just kind of went over their head. With the Passover approaching, the road to Jerusalem probably would have been a very, very, very busy place. Kind of like 101 during the week when you're trying to get to work. Just packed. Certainly there must have been many there that day that wondered what was happening. Perhaps they heard all the things that Jesus had done. They were spectators. They were the people who were undecided. Didn't know what to make of him. It says when Jesus looks up at Jerusalem as he approaches, he knows what's going to happen because he's God. And I'm just not just talking his own crucifixion. He sees the day in A.D. 70 when it will be burned and destroyed. He sees the destruction of Jerusalem. He sees the enemy that will triumph over it. That it would be destroyed because it didn't recognize the time of God's coming. Just as before, as we go a week later to the cross... We see also that there's not just the one thief that comes to Christ and the one thief that denies who he is, but there's also many bystanders at Calvary. Many people who are just standing around seeing what's going on at the foot of the cross. There were many soldiers who probably mocked and cursed Jesus. But you know what? I'm sure that there were those who were just doing their job. Hey, I'm just here to do the job not here to convict anybody. I'm just doing what I'm told to do. Got to crucify this guy. Let's crucify him. Get it over with. They weren't there to bless Christ. They weren't there to curse him. They were simply there because they were supposed to be. That's what was expected of them. They were even playing games. <laughs> the Bible tells us at the foot of the cross. These men were so close. So close to the gift of salvation. Eternal gift of salvation in Christ. And they sat at the foot of the cross, inches away from the Savior of the world. Seeing if by chance they could make a buck or two as they took the clothes of Jesus and rolled dice for them. They were so close and yet so far away. They neither accepted nor rejected. They were simply there. Killing time. Waiting for these three criminals to die so they could probably go home to their families. Killing time, playing games. It's unfortunate, but you know what? There are people like that here today. You're here. But you're on the sidelines. 
You claim to see what goes on, and yet you really don't see. You don't outrightly curse God, but you're not willing to praise Him either. You don't necessarily deny the claims of Christ in Scripture, but you haven't really accepted them either. You don't shout insults and mock him and his followers, but you also don't fall at his feet and call him Lord. You're simply here, sitting in church, week after week, Maybe you come because you're expected to come. Maybe you sing because you're expected to sing. I don't know. Maybe you come for the food afterwards. <laughs> but I think one thing you're failing to see is that you're so close to the cross. But you're playing games. This time of year, beloved, is a time of decision. We've seen that this morning. Two thieves crucified together with Christ on either side. One believes, one rejects. One is saved, the other is lost. It's a very picture of decision. See, for each one of us here today, it's a day of decision. You must decide for yourself. I can't decide for you. Between triumph and tragedy. Either accept Jesus for who he is. Repent of your sin. And put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Or reject him. But it's hard to just keep playing games at the foot of the cross. One writer says, either call him a liar a lunatic or Lord. But you're going to have to decide. When Jesus looked up at Jerusalem, the Bible says in our text this morning that he wept. He wept. He said, even if you had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but it's hidden from your eyes. And he goes on, he talks about the destruction of Jerusalem and what will come. See, Jesus saw the future of a city. He knew what would happen. And he wept because he knew the city and he, he loved the people within that city. But they would reject him and it would be destroyed. What does Jesus see when he looks at you today? What does he see in your future? Does he rejoice? Or does he weep? And even though he was so close to you, you still refused to recognize the time of God's coming to you. Jesus is passing us by today just like he did the hordes of people on Palm Sunday. And you have to decide what you're going to do. How many times have you seen him pass by? I'm asking you today, don't let him pass by another time without you acknowledging your sin and crying out to him and ask him to save you. Years ago at Niagara Falls, there were two men who were in a boat and they found themselves caught in the current. And 
they realized the boat didn't have enough power to get out of the current. It was going to go over the falls. And so they figured, you know, we got to get out of this boat. So they both jumped out of the boat and they began to swim for shore. Well, you know, the officials surrounding them were kind of working on a plan to get them out of the water, obviously. And at the last minute, ropes from the shore were thrown out to them once the authorities arrived. And the one man grabbed the rope that was in his reach and he held onto it and he was pulled to shore. The other man grabbed a different rope that was thrown out to him. But witnesses say the same time as he was just grabbing a hold of that rope, there was also a big log that kind of just came right up alongside of him. And the authorities were yelling at him, grab the rope, grab the rope. But his instincts just that didn't make sense. And he grabbed a hold of this log because he thought maybe he could pull himself up on the log. And he let go of the rope. I'll tell you what happened. The one man was pulled to shore by the rope. The other man held on to this log, thoughtless and confused, instead of seizing the rope that was given to him. It was a fatal mistake. See, both of these men were in imminent peril. But the one who was drawn to shore was saved because he had a connection to the land. The other clinging to the loose floating log was carried over the falls and obviously died. See, there's something to be said between the saving connection with God that has been offered to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Picture it this way. He is on the shore of eternity holding the rope and as we lay hold of him with the hand of faith he pulls us to shore. But you know what? We live in a life where there's logs floating around us every day and we can cling to them if we wish. You have to cling to one or the other. But I want to leave you with the the simple decision you have to choose what are you going to hold on to I pray that you would reach out to him this morning and be saved join the thief who cried out for salvation and I guarantee you that today you too will be seated with Christ in paradise and the fear of death will have lost its grip Well, you have been listening to Graceful Truth with our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse, who will return in just a moment with a closing thought and invitation for you here on Graceful Truth. It's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. We trust you're currently involved in a Bible-teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. Pastor Steve will have details and information here in just a moment. Also, if you would like to encourage us here at the Graceful Truth Program, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. Our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. Or you can visit our website, gracefultruth.org. Well, as promised, once again, to close out today's broadcast, here's Pastor Steve Converse. Steve? 
Thanks, Andy. I'd just like to share a few brief thoughts with our listening audience as we close out today's program. In closing, I just want to remind us that it's the time of the year when we as followers of Jesus Christ, the church, are looking forward to the coming celebration of not only the death and sacrifice of Jesus Christ on our behalf, but also his glorious resurrection three days later. We'd like to invite you out to our Good Friday service, April 22nd at 6.30 p.m. here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We plan on having a wonderful time of worship and teaching from God's Word, as well as a time of communion together as the body of Christ. That's 6.30 p.m., April 22nd, Good Friday, here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We'll also be having our Resurrection Sunday service at 10 a.m. on Easter Sunday. Once again, thanks for listening to Graceful Truth each weekend, and it would be a wonderful encouragement to us to hear from you about how this program has been a blessing to your hearts. Please contact us on the web at gracefultruth.org. That's gracefultruth.org, or you can call us here at Graceful Truth, 650-366-9923, 650-366-9923. Our address, once again, to request the uh, CDs on discipleship is Graceful Truth, 2225 Euclid Avenue, Redwood City, California, 94061. We here at Graceful Truth will be praying for you and your family that you may have a wonderful and glorious Resurrection Sunday together as we celebrate our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Steve. And friend, thank you for spending time with us here today. Next week, we'll continue our look at the Easter celebration that you and I as Christians so passionately love and embrace. Until then, God bless.